Welcome to EM Guidewire, brought to you by the Emergency Medicine Residents and Faculty at Carolina's Medical Center in Charlotte, North Carolina. Pediatric Emergency Medicine Morsels Rebaked. Delicious educational treats of pediatric emergency medicine that will satisfy your curious mind. Welcome to this week's Peds EM Morsels Rebaked, brought to you by the EM Guidewire team from the Carolinas Medical Center Emergency Medicine Group. Today, we have myself, Jenny Potter, and Nikki Richardson, and we will be discussing influenza. It always seems as though the impending doom of flu season is just around the corner, or we are actively waging battle against the high volumes, high fevers, and high anxieties of the season. This year, I want us to be prepared to have discussions with parents of our patients about the influenza vaccine, as well as the highly sought after Oseltamivir or Tamiflu when they bring their kiddos to see us in the ED. Influenza is a viral illness that's highly contagious. We often tell parents it's just a virus as a way to reassure them that their children will be okay. However, while influenza can cause mild disease, it also can lead to severe illness and lead to severe complications. Some of the fear complications of influenza include pneumonia, dehydration, acute worsening of chronic illnesses like asthma or congenital heart disease, encephalopathy, sinus infections, ear infections, and in rare cases, death. Well, when you say it like that, I don't blame people for flocking to the ED at the first sign of fever and cough. Those complications sound pretty terrible. Is everyone at risk for developing complications of influenza? While it's true that anyone can develop complications from influenza, there are special populations that are at greater risk and should cause a physician to pause before quickly sending the child out the door with supportive care instructions. These populations include those greater than 65 years of age, pregnant women, including those up to two weeks postpartum, residents of long-term care facilities, children under the age of five, and especially those under age two, as well as your patients with chronic medical conditions. There are a lot of chronic medical problems that cause increased risk for the feared complications of influenza. Flu season, while a busy time, is not the time to skimp on your history and taking skills. While pediatrics is easy because most of these kids have no past medical history, it's really important to be sure to ask about past medical history in children presenting to the ED with flu-like symptoms. The kids at highest risk for developing complications of influenza are those with chronic medical conditions. The CDC also reports that Native American and Native Alaskan children are more likely to have severe flu illness that results in hospitalization or death. Well, now that we know who is most at risk, what can be done to prevent it? The influenza vaccine has been proven to be an effective means to reduce influenza-related morbidity and mortality. While talking about vaccinations seems to dip a little bit more into the primary care world of pediatric care, vaccines play a critical, important role in the management of our patients in the emergency department. Exactly. Knowing about vaccination status is a key component of the medical history that guides our clinical decision-making in regard to a patient presenting with fever. Also, the ED already administers vaccinations as a part of the standard of care in regard to trauma that breaks the skin and animal bites. It is second nature to update a patient's tetanus shot when you find an open wound on your trauma assessment. By doing so, we help patients stay healthy and prevent really bad disease. We also reflexively consider rabies vaccinations when a patient presents to the ED with an animal bite because we hope to prevent a terrible outcome. We should think about influenza the same way. Ideally, you can administer the flu vaccine to those at risk populations when they are in your ED. But understanding that's not always an option for you, if your ED does not offer influenza vaccinations, it's still an ED provider's job to educate patients and families of at-risk patients to get their annual flu shot. As a critical frontier for public health, 
We play an important role in injury and illness prevention, like our colleagues in the pediatric clinic. If your pediatric ED does not provide the flu shot, a visit to the ED is a time to explore and address a patient's potential barriers to receiving the vaccine. For some, it's a lack of access to their primary care doctor during the vaccination period. In this case, it'll be important to know where children and their parents can get reduced cost or free vaccinations in the community. For others, it's a lack of education that creates the barrier, and this is the perfect place for us to intervene. It may be that they don't understand that their child with asthma is at greater risk for complications of influenza, or that they don't understand that by vaccinating the whole family, they provide a reduction in influenza-related morbidity and mortality for their children as well. Parental concern can be another large barrier to overcome. It is important to educate parents that a concurrent illness should not prevent vaccination. Especially our patients with asthma, it is important to educate parents that the influenza vaccine can be given safely and effectively to kids during an asthma exacerbation, even if they are on steroid therapy. In regarding to fighting the good fight against parents with an anti-vaccination mindset, all we can do is provide education and information regarding the safety of this vaccine. So what about the kiddo that comes into the ED with an obvious case of influenza? What can we do to fix it now? Tired, anxiety-ridden parents bring their children to the ED in search of a magic pill to make their influenza disappear. Yep, they are looking for that highly advertised Oseltamivir or Tamiflu to zap that influenza bug. But does it really work? And who needs to be prescribed this medication? Well, according to the CDC, prescription antiretroviral medications can be used in the treatment of influenza. Starting these medications early in the course of the disease is very important. It's recommended that patients who are hospitalized for the flu those who are very sick and who do not need to be hospitalized, and those who meet high-risk criteria for serious flu complications be treated within the first 72 hours of illness. Most people who are healthy at baseline do not need antiretroviral drugs when they get the flu. There are three antiretroviral drugs that are safe for use in children. First is paramivir. This is found only in IV form and can be given to patients ages two years and older. The second is zanamivir. This is for your patients seven years and older, but it is contraindicated in those with asthma. Lastly, the one that everyone recognizes, oseltamivir. Oseltamivir can be given to patients ages 14 days and older. Thankfully, Dr. Fox, when writing his PZM morsel on oseltamivir, took the time to look at the Cochrane Library to learn more about the evidence behind the use of this medication. If you find yourself up against pushy parents with an otherwise healthy child, you can find a quick summary regarding the data behind oseltamivir. There are definitely some problems when we look at the research behind this drug that is advertised as the magic pill for the flu. Most of the justification behind recommendations and stockpiling of oseltamivir is based on pharmaceutical company-based research. While not all industry-sponsored research is bad, there were specific issues in regard to the studies performed on oseltamivir when they were re-reviewed. Found that the original detailed data was not made easily available. The reviewers also noted that the definitions of disease and complications were very vague. Lastly, there is also concern that some of the placebos used in placebo-controlled trials against oseltamivir had active ingredients. A review published by Jefferson et al. in 2014 looked beyond the journal publications and used the manufacturer's report to make conclusions regarding oseltamivir. On their review, they noted that there were substantial problems with the design, conduct, reporting, and availability of information from many trials. They were concerned for many areas of potential bias, including performance bias, selection bias, and attrition bias. Dr. Fox, on your review of the literature, what conclusions were made about the use of oseltamivir for influenza? So in children, oseltamivir reduced the time to alleviate symptoms by about 29 hours in healthy children. 
I would say that's far from a magic pill, as influenza typically lasts about a week. It was also found that oseltamivir had no significant effect in children with asthma in their rate of hospitalization or as prophylaxis for family members of someone else diagnosed with the flu. Okay, but did they at least find that complications were reduced by starting patients on oseltamivir? Unfortunately, no. Um, Ideally, a, a medicine like this would be used to help reduce the complication rate, but unfortunately, oseltamivir did not reduce the incidence of otitis media, sinusitis, unverified pneumonia, or other complications classified as quote-unquote serious. It was also discovered that nausea was the most frequently seen side effect in the pediatric population, with a number needed to harm only 19. I don't know about you, but in a kiddo that already feels pretty crummy, I'm not sure I want to risk making things worse by throwing nausea into the mix. In the adult world, the most common side effects were nausea and vomiting, with a number needed to harm of 28 and 22 respectively. It was also noted that there was a dose-response effect on the dreaded oseltamivir-induced psychiatric events. We hope that you now feel better prepared to tackle the flu season. We've covered a lot, so let's wrap things up with a quick review of the moral of our rebaked morsel. Influenza is a viral illness that is highly contagious. We often tell our parents, hey, it's just a virus, as a way to reassure them that their kid will be okay. And while influenza is a virus, viruses can cause significant and severe disease and complications. Emergency medicine providers encounter patients when they are at most receptive to education about their illness. We need to use that time to educate patients and parents about influenza vaccination and what children are considered at high risk for complications from the flu. In regard to oseltamivir, it's not exactly the magic pill it was marketed to be. Take a look at the research design, conclusions, and possible biases so that you are better informed. And most importantly, educate the parents and your patients about the risk and benefits of taking oseltamivir for the flu. That's all for today. Thanks for listening to Peds EM Morsels Rebate. Please join us next time. This is EM Guidewire, brought to you by the residents and faculty from Carolina's Medical Center. Thanks for listening to EM Guidewire. Go! Be awesome today! Seems the out.